Hey, good morning. Welcome to King's Church. My name is Dylan, and we are so honored that you would join us this morning. If you're new to us, we, we would love to connect with you and help you get connected to this community as we get started. Matter of fact, our launch Sunday is coming up, where we launch online and in-person services. That's coming up on Easter Sunday. We're so excited about that. We'd love to have you join us and literally invite everyone you know to that. But right now, we're getting everything ready. We're getting the building ready. We're getting the teams ready. And really, most important to me, we're getting the culture of this house ready. So we've been in this sermon series titled, In This House, where we're just working through the values of King's Church. And if you know anything about culture, you know that culture is not something you can create. Culture is who you are. And so as we're kind of trying to articulate, what are the kingdom values? Like, what are the things that God values most that we want to value most in King's Church. We're just trying to put some language to some things that really we're asking God to do in our hearts and in our community. And so we've been walking through some messages, which I would encourage you to go back and listen to titled In This House, like in this house, Jesus is our message. And in this house, prayer is our priority. And today I'm going to be talking about in this house, excellence is our standard. You may say, Dylan, what do you mean excellence is our standard? Like I, th I thought we were in church. Well, listen, excellence is not having the best. It, it doesn't mean you've got the, the tricked out building and the tricked out. It, excellence isn't having the best. It's doing the best with what you have. A excellence isn't you telling God what you want. Excellence is being faithful with what God has put in your hand. I'm going to turn your attention, if you turn with me, to Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 to 24. Colossians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Colossae, and he says, whatever you do, Say whatever with me right there on your couch. Say whatever, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Say whatever with me one more time. Whatever you do, whether you're sitting in the corner office or doing the dishes or rubbing your spouse's back or greeting at church or holding a baby in the nursery or leading a small group or ordering your taco especial, Whatever you do, work heartily. Do your work with all your heart. We live in such a distracted world. I mean, texting and driving. You, you watch some teenagers hang out and, and they don't even talk to each other. They're literally just sitting on the couch, like Snapchatting other people while they're sitting together. Somehow that's friendship. Spouses, I've talked to so many couples that they finish work and it's just like, oh, we just veg on the couch together. There's not much time in our distracted world for undistracted engaging relationship in the same way there's not it's difficult it's challenging to do undistracted wholehearted work but what the apostle paul says he says whatever you do work heartily do it with your whole heart bring your whole self to the table in all that you do that means in your vocation in your nine to five when you show up at work don't kind of casually head into work don't kind of stumble in don't be checking your text and taking 50 no no work do your work with all your Heart. The Bible says, put your whole heart into all that you do, into raising your kids, into loving your spouse, into your nine to five. Whatever your job is, whether you think your job is really important or you think your job is not important at all, whether, whether you are sitting in that corner office making big decisions that impact hundreds of people's lives or you are literally making tacos at Taco Bell, whatever your job is, I've got a taco craving this morning, I guess. I don't know, I'm talking about tacos a lot, but whatever your vocation is, whatever your ministry is, whether you're the door greeter or in the kids class or on the worship team or in the production booth, whatever your ministry is, whatever your vocation is, whatever your life is, do it with all your heart. Be faithful with what God has put in your hand. Bring your whole self to the table. The next part is huge. The next part saves you from getting bitter 
when you give it all you have. When, when you do your work with all your heart and your boss doesn't seem to notice. Or you, you bring your whole heart to the table and your boss seems to be disappointed in your work instead of grateful for your work. When you stand out in the freezing cold all morning greeting people and no one says thank you. When you're rocking and singing and praying over that baby that won't stop crying and the mom doesn't seem to notice. When you work, when you do whatever you do with your whole heart, you got to make sure you do this, that you do it not for men, but for the Lord. Do it to the Lord, not for men. We, we exist to glorify God by serving people. Jesus said that he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life away as a ransom for many. We say it this way. We exist to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. We exist to serve people, but it's not ultimately about those people. It's ultimately about him. We exist to serve people so that we might glorify God. It's, it's about him. It's an audience of one. And when we get that mentality right, when we get the mentality right that I'm doing this as unto the Lord, like I'm washing these toilets as though Jesus himself is the next one to sit on them. I'm opening this door as though Jesus himself is the one that's about to walk through it. I'm, I'm holding this baby as I'm holding the baby of Jesus Christ himself. Like I'm doing this production in such a way that this sound that comes out of these speakers would be pleasing to Jesus. I'm capturing this video and editing this video and preparing and doing this online hosting as though Jesus himself were the one I was making it for. When we put that mentality on, it actually allows us to serve people in an incredible way, to, to do the best that we possibly can with what God has put in our hands. And, and what God says is that when we, we're faithful with what he's put in our hands, he'll entrust more to us. Faithful with little things, and you'll be faithful with much. But what we often do is we're not faithful with the little things because we think, oh, it's little. I'll be faithful when I have big things. But God says, if you're not faithful with the little things, why would I give you more things? Same with my kids. My, my kids, you know, they want to open the door. They want to put on their shoes. They want to do these little things. And I'm trying to help them do these little things. But I'm not going to have them drive the car yet. I'm not going to have them pay the bills yet because they're just trying to learn to be faithful with the little things. Well, God handles us the same way. He's not going to give us more until we learn to handle what we have. Do all that we do as unto the Lord. Open that door, put out the bulletin, straighten the chairs, tune the sound, prepare the classroom, vacuum the carpets, clean the toilets. Engage this online chat as unto the Lord. This is how Romans says it. Romans 12, verse 5 through 7, it says, So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of it, members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So everybody has a gift or gifts. These are grace gifts. These are charis gifts. These are gifts from God, not gifts that we create or that we have, but that God gives to us. Let us use them. So if you have a gift, everybody has gifts, then use them. It, listen, if you're not using your gift, then you're wasting a gift that God has given you. I want to encourage you. That's why we've got Dream Team. We, we want to see every person using their gift to serve the body, to build the body, to, to extend the reach of Jesus in this city. Well, how does that happen? We all use the gift that God has given us. And we all have different gifts. Some people have a, a, they're, they're the gift of the foot. Some people have the hand. Some people have the eye. Listen, eyes can't hear that well. And ears can't see that well. But when the eye and the ear work together, it, things work really well. We have different gifts that God has given. And he says, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. If you have a prophetic gift, bring that. Contribute that to the church. And it's going to bless the church. If service in our serving. Some of you have a gift of service. You just have a capacity to serve 
that is greater than other people. Bring that to the table. Serve with your whole heart. And when people don't notice or people don't serve as much as you, don't get bitter. Just recognize that's a gift that God has given you. Use it with your full capacity. The one who teaches in his teaching, be faithful, study, learn, get prepared so that you can teach well. The one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity. Don't just give a little. If God's giving you the gift of generosity, give as much as you possibly can. The one who leads with zeal. Don't be slothful. Okay, I have a leadership gift, so I'll just kind of be lazy and get by. No, no. Lead with passion. Lead with zeal. Bring all that you have to the table. Don't lead excellently at work and then be lazy in your leadership in the church. Or lead excellently at work and be lazy in your leadership at home. No. Bring your whole self to the table. Lead with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. I love this one. Acts of mercy. Those are hard acts to do. That's why the Bible says do it with cheerfulness. Do it with joy. Don't do it with burden. Don't do it with bitterness. But do it with cheerfulness. Some of you have, an, you have, you have the gift of mercy. God bless you for that. I love that you have that gift. That blesses the body. When you can enter into someone's suffering and sit with them and weep with them and encourage them and show them God's mercy. You got to take care of the cheerfulness and the joy in your heart when you do that because it's easy to get burdened down with, with other people's burdens. This is when we talk about our mission statement that we want to help all people discover their purpose and make a difference. This is what we're talking about because it's hard to make a difference with your life when you don't know what your gifts are. So we want to help you. We're going to run a new members course in March where we're going to take you through a spiritual gifts test and a personality test and try and help you understand what's your personality, what's your gift, what's your passion, and how do we connect that to opportunities to serve and lead so you can make the biggest difference with your life in the church and outside of the church. But here's the deal. Those tests, they just get you started. It's like if you've got the ball in your own end zone, it gets you down to like the 30-yard line. But the way you really learn what your gifts are, what your passions are, is by serving people. It's, it's hard to use your gift if you don't know what it is, but it's hard to figure out what your gift is if you don't start using it. So, so don't wait for, oh, no, I think I'm just, I'm just a Bible teacher, so I'll just wait until someone hands me the pulpit and I'll get to preach and that'll be so great. Listen, if you, if you have the gift of teaching, then please sign up for King's Kids. Please teach some kids about Jesus. Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers is what they call him. One of the most gifted preachers in all of history. He, he, he led hundreds and hundreds of thousands. He preached the Bible to hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. He said, the best training ground for pastoral ministry and for preaching in the pulpit is preaching in kids' ministry. If you can get a kid to understand Scripture, you can get anybody to understand Scripture. If you've got a gift of teaching, begin teaching some kids. Begin talking with your friends about the Bible and discussing. Study. Do the work now to prepare you for the calling that God has for your future. If you've got a gift of hospitality, begin opening your home or open your Zoom account or whatever it is. Open your heart and open your life to people and let them in. Become a relational door for people to get built into this community. If you don't know what your gift is, just when there's an opportunity to serve, step into it. And you'll find out what your gift is because when you're gifted in something, other people will say, hey man, you seem really gifted in that. And you'll feel a grace to do it. You'll feel like, man, when I do this, I feel God's joy. I feel God's pleasure. You'll have a, a, a grace to do it. It'll be easier for you than it is for other people. But also you'll know what you're not gifted in because you'll do something and it won't go well. And it won't go well again. And it won't go well again. For me, it's administration. It's organization. When I do it, it doesn't go well. And then when I give it to someone else and they do it, it's like a miracle. Oh man, that, that works. It, it's organized. It's efficient. It's better. So I work really hard to find people who have that gift because I'm really bad at that. 
and, and I try to supplement things in their lives that they, and together we're better. That's how the church works for small group leaders. Don't do it all yourself. Dream team leaders, don't do it all yourself. Find the gifts of the people around you. Listen, if you're just in a small group, you can lead. You can lead up. You can lead ladder. You can lead by finding the gifts of the people around you and helping them to use their gifts to build the body of Christ. And as you grow in your gift, you figure out, man, if I give more time to this, my life is more fruitful. More people meet Jesus. More people get blessed when I give more time to this. But we have to be careful that we don't become snobs about this. Where it's like, oh, it's not my gift. I can't teach in kids because it's not my gift. I can't do administration because it's not my gift. I do a lot of administration still because I have to. My wife and I joke, we say, you know, parenting is a lot, it teaches us a lot about the Christian life because neither of us would say we're gifted at changing diapers. But one of us has to change diapers. And I do my fair share of changing diapers, by the way. Uh, you husbands, you should change some diapers, all right? So uh, no, no, no one's gifted for that, but the job has to get done. In church life, sometimes you may say, you know, I'm not gifted, but the job has to get done. Those people need to be served, and you step in when there's a need. So we, we serve because we're modeling the life of Jesus. He said, I came not to be served. It's not all about me. No, no, I came to serve. You can tell someone's posture when they walk in a room. Are they talking about themselves? Are they making everything about them? Are they turning every story to make themselves the hero? Or are they working the room for their own benefit? Are they walking in to serve people and listen to people and love people and engage people and hear their, their story, draw out their strengths and compliment and affirm them? That's the heart of a servant. That's the posture of Jesus. We also serve to steward the gift that God has given us. We're called stewards. We're God's money managers. He entrusts us with our wealth and he's called us to steward it. We're going to give account one day for how we handle the, the money God's given us, but we're also going to give an account for the gifts that God has given us. If you've got a gift of administration, he's going to hold you to account for how you use that. He's going to hold us to account for how we used our time and our words. We will all stand before God one day. And the goal is that we would stand before him like Matthew 25, the, the parable of the talents, when God gives one person one talent and another person two talents and another person five talents and the person with five gets to work. They put their talents to work and they make five more. The person with two puts their talents to work and they make five, two more. The person with one, they went and buried their talent. They did nothing with their talent. And the person with five stands before God and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You multiplied what I gave you. And the person with two, he says the same exact thing. So the blessing, the affirmation, the pleasure of God is the same. Whether you have five or two or one, it's not about how much you have. Because remember, excellence isn't having the best. It's doing the best with what we have. It's not about what you have. God is the one who puts what we have in our hands. It's about being faithful with what's been given to us. So one with two, he says the same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. With the, the person with one talent, he judges that person. Because he says, you knew me. You knew my heart. Why did you bury this? Why did you not put it to work? God wants us to put to work the gift on our life. And whatever your gift is, you're just as valuable as everyone else in the body of Christ. I want you to know that. I want you to hear that. The preacher, the worship leader is not more valuable than anyone else in the church. And no one is less valuable. We all carry the same value, but we, our gifts are different. So they complement one another. This is true in marriage. We're equal. And yet our gifts and our, our, the way God has wired us is different. We complement one another. It's called the complementary theology. In the same way, that's how the body of Christ is. 
1 Corinthians 12, it's a dissertation of gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it says there's many members, one body, many gifts, all one body. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives everyone gifts. He's also the one who empowers the use of gifts. The message is simple. Don't compare the gift you have. Don't look at it. Oh, man, I wish my gift was that or my gift was that or I wish I was this. Don't do that. The message is simple. Use the gift God has given you to serve the people around you. Don't look around and think, oh, I wish I was them. No, no. Look around and say, how can I serve people with what God has given me? Here's the key. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. We were given the gifts we were given, not for us. If you're given the gift of generosity or joy or service or hospitality or leadership, it wasn't given for your benefit. It was given so that you could serve the body. The gift was given not for you, but for the person sitting next to you, or the person on the other side of that screen, the person in that chat, the person that maybe will sit next to you in church one day. The community gets blessed when we all use our gifts. So whatever your gift is, admin, service, prophecy, leadership, healing, miracles, hospitality, teaching, do it with all your heart. Do it with excellence and intentionality and passion. Do it as unto the Lord. Be an owner in this house, not a renter. When you own something, you treat it different than when you rent something. Because when you own it, you know if I break it, I got to fix it. If, it. if it leaks, I got to go figure out how to get the leak to stop it. If it's a mess, I got to clean it up. When you're a renter, you're like, oh, somebody else will take care of that. Be an owner in the house of God, not a renter. I, I tell you what, I can tell the owners in the house because they feel it when something goes wrong and they celebrate when something goes right. The renters in the house are kind of steady. They're apathetic. If it goes well, they don't really care. If it goes bad, they don't really care. They don't feel the burden of the whole house. They maybe just feel the burden of what they're involved with. So something goes bad in King's Kids, which we do an amazing job in King's Kids. If something, oh man, there's a need for more teachers. They feel that burden. If something goes really well, a kid came to Christ, they, they rejoice because it's something we're all a part of. We're all owners in this house, whether it's their thing or not. Be an owner in this house, not just a renter. I can tell owners versus renters as well with little things. Like when you're walking in and you see a piece of trash, do you pick it up or do you leave it? If you treat it different at church, like you do your own house, you're probably a renter in the house. So if at home, if you see trash on your, on your grass and you pick it up and you come to church and you see it and you leave it, you're probably a renter. You probably treat the church like you're renting. But if you take, treat the church like you're an owner, like, man, this is my house, then you, you pick it up. At the bathrooms, every Sunday when I go in the bathrooms, there is water on the sinks. I don't know how. People are messy with washing hands, I guess. I'm glad you're washing your hands. Every Sunday there's water. Every Sunday I dry the water around the sinks. Why? Because I care. I want someone to walk in and see, man, the sink is clean, the bathroom's clean. I care. Why? Because I'm an, not because I'm the pastor. I did that before I was a pastor. It's because I'm an owner in the house. Listen, why do we do all that we do as unto the Lord? What's the motivation behind the action? There's, there's the gospel imperative. This is what you're to do. But what's the motivation behind that? Well, verse 24, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the inheritance as your reward. Because we have a reward waiting for us when we do what God has called us to do, that's why we do it. Let me say it this way. Christians want to be all selfless. Oh, I don't do it for me. I do it for Jesus. I, I don't want anything out of it. I just want to give it all to Jesus. And look, Those people are, often feel a little in the clouds, a little theoretical. They don't feel very practical and down to earth. Reality is, 
Jesus said, if you do this, I have a reward for you. Matter of fact, he said he's coming back and he's bringing his rewards with him. He said the word for reward here, it means repayment or recompense. Jesus says, you do this, you do, do what you do, whatever you do, do it with your whole heart. Do it as unto the Lord, not for men. And I will give you a reward for that. When, when you meet me face to face, it'll be like the person with two talents, the person with five. I will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. And I will bless you for what you've done. Listen, God builds rewards into our hearts. If you're the kind of person that thinks, oh, I don't want rewards. I just want Jesus. I would say, yeah, I want Jesus too. But he said he's coming with rewards. He has hardwired us this way. That's why my kids, that's why we work for a paycheck. We work to get a reward. My kids, I say, hey, if, if you do well and you respond well in this situation, I'll give you a piece of candy at the end. or I'll let you watch a show. I, I don't do that all the time, but in special occasions, we do that. Why? Because they're motivated by a reward. It's not a bad thing. God's hardwired it in us. We are motivated by rewards. Being generous, Jesus says, be generous. Why? So that you'll store up treasure for yourself where rust and moth don't destroy it, where thieves can't break in and steal it. He's saying, yeah, be generous because I've been generous to you. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He says, but also be generous, Matthew chapter 6, because when you are, you're making a wise investment. Like you're going to bless yourself more by giving your money away in this life because you'll get more in the life to come. You'll store up for yourself. You're making a, I'm sure you invest in your IRA or 401k. When you make those investments, you store up for the future. Jesus is saying, I have a better investment. I have something you can store up for eternity. And it grows and it increases. it's eternally blessed. So do it because it blesses God or because it pleases God, but also do it because it's smart. It's a wise investment, Jesus says. Be rich, the apostle Paul says, in good works. Be generous and ready to share, he says. Verse 19, he says, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Jesus says, Paul says, be generous, be rich in good works. Why? So that you'll store up treasure for yourself and you'll have a foundation for the rest of your life. Jesus is returning and his rewards are with him. From my experience, most Christians are not thinking too much about the rewards of Christ. We're often thinking too little. We, we view all that we do as sacrifice and giving and man, I'm losing in this. No, no, we need to Take on, man, I am storing up eternal treasure. I am gaining a reward with Jesus. Jim Elliott, missionary and martyr, said it this way. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. As we launch King's Church, I pray that we get this in our hearts, that everything we do, we do as unto the Lord, that we do it with our whole heart, and then we don't, we don't open doors or run the sound or play the keys or watch kids for men but we do those things for God. And I just want to say this, don't do it for me. Whatever you do in King's Church, don't do it for me. Don't do it for anyone else. Don't do it to serve a person. Do it to glorify God. Do it as unto the Lord. And in doing so, you will serve people better than you ever could. Do what you do for an audience of one and do it with your whole heart. I want to ask you to take some time this, time this morning to check your heart, to get this thing settled before we head into the, this next season. Because I'm telling you, it is speeding up. And, and if it doesn't feel like it's speeding up for you, lean in, because it is speeding up. There, we are getting this building ready. We are prepping things. Easter is coming. We are inviting. We are praying. We're going to head into 21 days of prayer and fasting before Easter. It is speeding up. 
And I don't want you to get burnout. Because I know this, burnout often doesn't happen because we do too much. Burnout happens because our heart isn't in the right place. And when there's pressure and when things speed up and there's a lot to do, we, it kind of presses out of us. We're doing it for the wrong person. We're doing it in the wrong way. We're not doing it because God called us. We're doing it because somehow we want to please people or whatever it may be. I, I just want to settle this here. We do it for the Lord. We're not doing it for men. We're going to do it with our whole heart. And we're going to do it because there is a reward coming with Jesus when he returns. And we want to store up as much as we possibly can. We want to please him the best we possibly can. If you don't know Jesus yet, I want to make an invitation to you today. Jesus Christ loves you. He died for you. He is the son of God and he died on a cross for your sins. You don't have to pay for your sins. Every single one of us at the end of our life, we will stand before God. And if you have not trusted in Jesus Christ, you will stand before God and you will pay for your sins. You will pay for every single one of them. And God, God will eternally judge you for the sins that you committed that you did not trust in his son to forgive you for. But if you trust in Jesus Christ, if you ask him to forgive you, he will forgive you. He will save you and he will stand before you on that judgment day. And when the father makes an account of your life, he will say, this one is hidden in me. This one trusted in me. And you will forever be with God. I want to invite you to take that step today. Say, Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. And please give me a new life with you. He rose from the dead three days later. And he wants to give you a new life that starts today and continues forever and ever and ever. And when he returns, not only will you experience his reward and his pleasure and his delight and his forgiveness and his deliverance, but you will also experience a new life with a new body in a new heaven and a new earth forever. This is an amazing truth. It's called the gospel. It's the good, it's the good news of Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to receive it today. The way you do it is you simply come to him and you say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life and I want to devote my life to you. I'd love to lead you in a prayer right now if you're ready to take that step. You can repeat after me, Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Please forgive me of my sins. Please give me a new life with you. I'm sorry for all that I've done and I receive your forgiveness and your life and your peace into my heart. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me power to live the life you've called me to live. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you want to pray with me, I'd love to pray for all of you who maybe you've not been serving the Lord, maybe you've not been doing it for the right reasons, maybe you've not been doing it unto him, you've been doing it unto someone else. I just want to ask you to take a moment and ask God to refresh your heart, to restore your heart, to renew your heart, that you would do all that you do is unto the Lord. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters watching this. Would you fill us with a spirit of joy and pleasure in serving you. God, would you help us to set our minds on eternity, that we would do all that we do for that eternal reward unto you, not for men. And God, I pray, would you fill us with the Holy Spirit to help us to do all that you have called us to do these next seven weeks as we lead up to Easter. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together. <laughs>